Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's podcast, we are talking to Ali Reza. He is the Group Chief Enterprise Architect at Nando's. But before that, hiya, Jack. Hola. Feels like spring. I mean, I know it's an overcast day and it's kind of raining, but we're recording outside. Uh, for the first time in a while, I think. This is, if ever we've recorded outside. We've no, done we, videos. we've recorded outside. Us two? Sitting outside with two mics doing the pod? I think pod? so. It's a, good, it's a good question. I don't think we've ever recorded outside like this. No. But it's very pleasant. It's nice, even though, like you say, it's overcast, but it's still warm enough. And the, and, and the cafe room were kind enough to put the outdoor heaters on for yeah, us. Yeah, which well. actually... Yeah, I'm like... A take, bit much. I'm going to take my jacket off, I think, before I sweat through everything. <laughs> How's your week going? Yeah, good, good. So... We recovered from the bank holiday weekend, which was lovely. Uh, split it between friends and family, which was nice. Mm. Just, I mean, we're recording on Wednesday today, and it's Arsenal Wolves tonight, which I'm very nervous about. Um, as the race for top four continues. Yeah, to be honest, Wolves are the kind. Well, Arsenal are kind of opposition Wolves yeah. tend to fancy. They've got more points off the top six than the bottom six this mm. season. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous today. Oh well. Oh well. Um, you could. You could enjoy the football with a with a takeaway. I could enjoy the football with a takeaway. Do you I, know what? It's funny you say that because I had said takeaway over the weekend. Actually, yeah. Me and my friend went and sat in a restaurant and ordered from uh, our our guests' company over the weekend. Yeah. Well, what takeaway then was it? No, it wasn't actually a takeaway. <laughs> you just Not went to Nando's. Yeah, we just went to Nando's. Like like two losers on the Saturday afternoon. We went, we went for a walk down by the canal, right? right very uh, nice. Up from Limehouse towards Mile End, through the canal, and we went to Nando's, then we went and got ourselves some snacks and rushed home for the rest of the football. Very nice. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's better than the whatever food of everything, Domino's, greasy. Oh. Yeah. I'm Oof. not a fan of Domino's, but the yep. fact the amount of grease seems to kind of like eat through the cardboard box. Have you seen the trend that's going around at the moment where people are taking napkins to their pizzas and dabbing the oil off of the top when they get them? Mm. And it's caused quite a division amongst pizza eaters because some of them are like, why are you doing that? Just eat the pizza, for fuck's sake. Blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, apparently it's meant to be something like 30% healthier if you do dab all the oil off the top. I can believe it. Yeah, I can absolutely believe it. Um, I don't know if I'm inclined to do it because I quite like the oil taste, but yeah. Anyway, today is a cheeky podcast because we're talking about <laughs> cheeky Nando's. <laughs> the pair of cheeky chaps. No, um, the bloke that did the cheeky Nando's song, Vujanic, who works for Copper Ninety now, went to our university. Dave, really? Yeah, I saw him in Asda once um, back in the day. All roads lead to Colchester. Exactly. Well, especially as it was where the Romans first landed in the UK. Absolutely. Ding dong. On that note, we'll go to Ali Reza. <laughs> uh, stick around for some thoughts on this and some news later on in the show. So we're chatting to Ali Reza, um, you're the Group Chief Architect, or sorry, the Group Chief Enterprise Architect, rather, yeah. for Nando's. Yeah. How are you this morning? Very good, thank you. Yeah? You think of Nando's and you immediately think of the restaurant. Yeah. And you describe yourselves as, as, as a fast, casual restaurant. But the peri-peri sauce bit also yeah. forms a big part of, of your narrative. Yeah. And obviously that's available in shops. Yeah. yeah. And the last couple of times I've had Nando's, it's been via Nando's Nino. Yes, on the delivery. Content, yes. So there's a number of different channels. So we have different channels. I mean, we have, for example, South Africa drive through Right. As, a, as another channel, right? So we are trying new uh, concepts in the UK. 
in London with Ninos is a it's a smaller kind of footprint. Yeah. Um, a limited kind of menu, uh, much quicker turnaround. So we do try and try only that. Um, there's discussions in the US to do uh, drive-through slash uh, curbside ordering, as they say, mm. uh, call it. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, and of course delivery itself is another channel for us. So the UK. Immediately, you can see that the UK market even is reasonably fragmented, and you're talking about slightly different models in different countries. Your role as a group role, so I'm assuming it's covering all of those territories. That's right, yeah. That must be quite challenging, because as an architect, or the architectural function, you're often that conduit between business and tech. So being able to, I suppose, get a coherent message from the business and translating that into technical requirements, or in the other direction, taking technical requirements and making the business understand what guys in various different countries are looking for must be must be a challenge yeah indeed it's it's it's, it's a big challenge because um, in a very centralized organization you would have um, more harmonized centralized kind of strategy mm-hmm. where in a Nando's context the empowerment of each one of the countries uh, is, is is a big thing so every kind of country kind of runs their own kind of show. They're all kind of part of the Nando's family. But um, so you kind of have to look at across at least six different strategies. And then based on that, come up with an IT kind of strategy that's, again, different. And that's sim- similar with the uh, architecture, right? So the architecture, target architecture, and we had a big discussion around this. Are we going to have one single target architecture where we're going to harmonize and have, I don't know, um, one tool set uh, do financials or and the answer is no yes yeah, i suppose this is an interesting point right? probably the most interesting point you can't physically change the nature of the business it is what it is it's a restaurant business it's in different countries with different channels so what responses do you as a centralized technology team and as, as the group uh, enterprise architect yeah have to that what 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 strategies or methods do you put in place to try and allow you to deliver the work that you need yeah. to do so i think it's it's i think the, the work i'm doing or we do in it needs to be aligned to the business as always right so the it strategy needs to be aligned to the business right? business strategy is that we will continue a federated organization um purposefully so if that's the case you won't be able to change the organizational structure that's been set up mm. because that's purposely what the, uh, the owners and management what wants to run the business. So you need to come up with something that's um, flexible and agile enough to accommodate all kinds of different mutations of that. So to give you an example, so I need to have an architecture, live with an architecture where I have... Um, a diverse set of vendors in my application portfolio. So if you take a finance system, the ERP system, it is just a given and that will be like that and then get even more, is that we'll have any big vendor that you want, whether it's Microsoft Dynamics, a Sage, or um, a local provider like uh, Zero in, in New Zealand where we have something, right? Uh, or some Indian provider in my portfolio. And that won't change. Whereas in other organization, when it centralizes, you might want to come up with a standard and say, well, we're all going to go for SAP, all go for Oracle, or whatever that is, right? Whatever makes sense. Here, you just have to be able to have something in place. And the focus is how do I glue all this stuff together? So how do I give still autonomy to each one of the countries? 
to make their own decisions on what package they want to use for whatever business capability, right? Mm. CRM, ERP, whatever it is, point of sales, whatever that is. I will always have a very diverse um, setup. So what we focus on is, okay, what is that glue and how we can standardize among those systems, decoupling it from the actual vendor. And that's where you come into APIs, that's where you come into data, that's where we come into those kind of areas, which are more important than actually um, looking at the, well, what vendor use. And I think the example, the analogy I was kind of been using here is, so think about it this way. You can go around, actually demand that everyone drives a Mercedes-Benz, which a lot of organizations do. Hmm. Um, and what happens, and depending on how command and control kind of type of setup you have, uh, they basically enforce it for every country. So everyone go there. Now, um, what the countries then do, depending on how much autonomy they have, they actually go and customize that Mercedes-Benz to their need because they didn't really want it, they want something else, but because corporate or group says, Mercedes-Benz, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and the cost for that is obviously very high. Um, so that's not what we're going to go for, right? Uh, we're not going to demand that. We're just going to say, if you drive on a highway, mm-hmm. right? The highway being the APIs and the data, right? Um, there's certain rules you should abide to, right? Like, you know, indicate when you, <laughs> when you take over or all that kind of stuff. But quite frankly, if you are a market that has a lot of money, and we have a lot of um, differences and maturities in different countries, um, in terms of the IT maturity, but also in terms of the business, in terms of the profitability in, in, in different countries, right? So some countries uh, can't afford the expensive stuff, right? So they might actually go on a, on a highway with a VW. The other guy might come with his Rolls Royce, and it's fine, we don't have an issue with that, as long as there's a certain set of rules that they abide with um, when it comes to um, kind of driving on that highway. Right? I suppose that maturity uh, point must be quite interesting because before we hit record, you mentioned that you used hackathons to try and help build um, part of that target architecture. Yeah. And, and you were also talking about establishing a governance board. And some of those, some of those activities to some parts of the group might feel quite distant from where they are and others might be slightly more accepting of that. Is, is the cultural piece something that you have to work hard at or are people quite accepting of some of those uh, some of those schemes? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So yeah, we've established a governance board, a typical kind of architecture governance board uh, across the group, uh, although we don't call it that way, right? right. Uh, um, uh, because some, some words are just banned in an endless context. Um, but we kind of acknowledge that there are some markets that don't have the capabilities. I and mean, there's at least two or three markets right now that are actually part, not part of that board. So we've taken some of the lead markets that have the capabilities, put them into the board. It's a collaborative board. It's not a board, although I run it and lead it, but it's kind of very subtly I lead it, right? right. It has to be their board rather than somebody from group kind of pushing it down, right? And... Um, and we have agreed with the other markets that the ones that are not so mature, that if something works for uh, the bigger markets that have the capability, they will adopt it also. So they don't have a seat because they just clearly don't have the resource to actually sit there and actually um, uh, competently talk, and be part of the hackathons and, and do, do stuff. But they, if you have kind of, we basically went with the two biggest markets that we have with the most amount of restaurants, which is UK uh, and South Africa, 
and have two very strong representatives from there on that board. And that's already kind of, you know, 80% of, of that done. The other markets are smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way we kind of set it up. And then we get to the hackathons. We have run about two or three hackathons per, per year. Um, we have another board, which is a tech forum on top, which um, includes all the tech kind of directors uh, from each of the markets. They kind of have a veto right uh, to always kind of say no, uh, but then they delegate the authority to that um, governance board to run the hackathons. And the hackathons that we run are kind of typical kind of Google um, design kind of sprints, five days, right. go in and basically come out with a, a, a working POC. So it's, it's a tangible thing that comes out, an API that actually works. So we've done just one in Johannesburg, came out with the first kind of restaurant API across the board, and, and that's what we're doing, right? And then we had three vendors in there that helped us with that. Um, yeah, so early stages, uh, but that's the kind of vehicle I'm using or we're using to um, still kind of allow them being autonomous in every country, but at the same time kind of still collaboratively bring them together. Mm-hmm. So the whole whole purpose and that kind of a mission, we said, well, we want to um, jointly and collaboratively uh, um, design the future of Nando's in terms of technology. Mm-hmm. And that's what this group and, and the vehicle of hackathons is supposed uh, to do. Which is a big kind of step forward, uh, considering that over the last 30 years, basically every country um, didn't even know uh, who the other person counterpart is actually is in mm-hmm. the other country, uh, and never really worked together. Ever. Now, lately there's been, and, and this, is a, this is a positive thing, absolutely, but lately there's been more of an understanding from people, I think, or more of a wanting to understand where their food comes from, from the food chain, sustainability, yeah. Yeah. Um, making sure that, that they're buying food from, from an ethically sourced company. And obviously, um, as a large restaurateur, you're going to have quite complex supply chains and food coming from different sources. But I, yeah. I found it quite interesting that that tech was helping to enable some innovation projects in, in farms in Africa. Yeah. I suppose that must be a, a big coup for, for you and the organisation. Yes, I mean, innovation has always uh, been a, a big topic. Um, how, um, as a chief architect, can you somehow instill some innovation um, that's basically long-lasting? Um, so, so one of the things that we look looking at is... Um, going back to our heritage, and our heritage is chili. Uh, so we, uh, uh, Nando's, we actually own and maintain our own farms in, in countries like Mozambique, mm-hmm. Malawi, Zimbabwe, um, that we kind of ethically kind of said, well, we want to, um, you know, source that chili in the right way. Um, rather than just exploiting uh, yeah. kind of people down there, and we, we do a lot of stuff and uh, around helping the community and the schools and the people down there. Um, and one of the things that we're doing right now, we actually uh, partnered up with Microsoft that have also uh, initiative called for for Africa. Um, their intention is to go down and basically uh, spread it, the internet uh, across Africa. Uh, it's a technology called TV White Space, which uses basically um, a certain spectrum, TV yeah, spectrum. Yeah, I'm aware of Nominate. Nominate has done some, some work in Correct. the UK. So we talked to Nominate also, yes. Right. Um, 
So we're talking to, it's highly uh, regulated, so we're talking to the regulators in Mozambique, have direct contact with them, or I actually have, uh, uh, to get some trial licenses, which we actually just received uh, for a year, um, to basically install um, the kit down there, allow us to uh, basically have internet on our farms, because our farms also have some education center where we educate farmers and how to cultivate, mm-hmm. but it also allows to uh, put some sensors in our in our fields to kind of measure humidity at temperature and based on that kind of get a bit of an understanding how what factors are influencing our yields right so because right now we have different fields by different farmers and some of them are just have a much higher yield than than the others. Yeah, and we don't know what what it is. Is it is it irrigation? Is it is it something else? Uh, and that's the first kind of step to do that. Um, right now, um, Africa obviously is a, it's a completely different setup uh, with technology. Um, we just have uh, what we call extension officers actually visiting each one of the farmers and some of them are in rural areas and it happens only once per month and there's only limited information we have uh, from them. Is there, is there an appetite to share the data that you do collect and gather with other people in the space, with other farmers, with other... Um, well, there are, I think the first step is, is, is uh, to, to share it obviously with the farmers there. So we have kind of two models there, right? So we have an in and out grow model. So um, in, 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 in uh, grow model is basically uh, it simplified as, is, is, is our land and they kind of kind of come and grow. Then the other up one is it's their land. So there's all kinds of farmers. There's a lots, lots of them, right? So with that, we're already sharing in the community that information uh, and how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So look, final point then, uh, and coming back to the, to the architecture piece to, to finish on, if someone's stepping into a role where they do work in a fragmented organization, right. a, fe- a federal organization, what, what are the two or three key challenges that they should look out for that, that you think could help them in their role? So I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of colleagues of mine that work in, in very mature, established, uh, centralized organizations. And what usually happens, you kind of take a togaf and um, just take the togaf and just say, well, I have, these are, what are the 10, 20 assets that you need? Then you just basically produce paperwork. Right. Um, now, and they always said the, uh, your, your disadvantage can be your advantage, right? So in my role, I can't do that. I can't even afford doing that, right? So I don't have the resources or the money to do that. Uh, but it gives me kind of an advantage to kind of be able to pick and choose uh, and be very pragmatic about enterprise architecture, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, it's not about what TOGAF is. It's not about a lot of assets that I maintain somewhere. It is only picking that that somehow brings the business forward right. uh, and influences a certain decision, a direction, or whatever that is, right? And that's the kind of thing in a federated organization because I need to go justify everything I do to every single, uh, not only uh, kind of senior leadership, but also to each one of the countries. Because we're federated, mm. I don't have a command and control chain to actually go and enforce and say, you in the market, uh, you do that. I need to go and convince every single person Right in the market, say, I think we should do X, Y, and Z, and that it allows you to actually be very selective on what you do, and you only pick the things that you really think and and have full buy-in from from the from from, from, from them. Look, I really appreciate you giving up some time to, to join us this morning, and absolutely. Uh, 
yeah, fingers crossed the good weather drives people into the restaurants. Absolutely, thank you. Right. Mm. I found this really interesting from a culture standpoint. Okay. Because what's immediately apparent from what Ali Reza says mm. is that Nando's is, is an older business, first of all, than I actually realised. Right. Because he talks about them being around for 30 years. 30 years? Mm. Gordon Bennett. I think of Nando's as being something that's the last decade or so. I think of Nando's as the ultimate first place to take a date on. You go to an Orange Wednesdays at the cinema. This is what I used to do. You go to the cinema on a two-for-one ticket, and then a two-for-one ticket, you get two-for-one at Nando's afterwards. Is this how you wooed Rosie? It's not how I wooed Rosie, unfortunately, but it's how I wooed many other victims before that. But it's great, isn't it? Because, let's be honest, Nando's is actually pretty good. Yeah. But if you're going on a date, you don't want to make someone feel a bit uncomfortable and and, and overface them with something that's a bit showy. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, Nando's did innovate when they came over to England as a restaurant because... It's, there's no table service, right? You go up, you order, and then they come to you, which I know is a bit more akin to a McDonald's or Burger King, but I see Nando's as a much more nicer fast food there's restaurant. Spa- there's space in the market for convenience, mm. but with an element of quality. Absolutely, and I, you know it's reasonably priced. I mean, we're, we're diving into Nando's now rather than uh, Ali. Than tech. And, yeah, 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 yeah. But we're, we're, what we're trying to say is we're big fans. We're big fans. Yeah. I, I know, I am. But... um. Yeah, I didn't realise it had the, the heritage and the legacy that it has. Mm. And they've always allowed these countries to act very independently. Yeah. So that must be something that isn't unique to Nando's. And this idea then that as a central technology function, you have to stitch that together. Mm. That fascinated me. This idea of using highways, API and data as highways, using those as the glue to stitch an organisation together, Yeah, I thought was a really interesting way of talking about it, because it must be, be difficult. It's a wonderful analogy, you know, you can have a Rolls Royce, a Mercedes Benz, a Saab, a Citroen, whatever, but you still follow the highway code, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it, that, that, that really did hit home, and I mean, when we get into talking about APIs and data and stuff like that in, in terms of architecture, you know, it's quite above what I understand technology, but... I love an analogy, and Ali did very well to, to typify it with, with, with that. This idea that the UK and South Africa is 80% of their markets. Crazy. Mm. And they have these governance bodies, and they also have hackathons. Yeah, Nando's hackathon, wow. Yeah. And it's those, mainly those two businesses that have a seat at the table in terms of the governance boards. Yeah. But other countries in the Nando's group mm. can look at what they're doing and adopt it if they so wish. So you have this two-speed kind of adoption of mm. ideas mm. which can then filter down to various different levels of the organisation. That's the franchise model, right? It very much struck me as though Nando's almost operates like a franchise. But in a, in a sensible... In a cultural... They still share the same culture and values and stuff like that. So they've clearly thought that about their collaboration mm. in a very mm. kind of detailed way and I guess franchise the franchise model I, I don't really know enough to talk about this fluently no. but it would appear that each country has more say on each individual restaurant the, the restaurants themselves aren't franchises it's just that each individual country has yes. a bit more autonomy yes and I think in, in terms of appealing to your local market and you know being a success there you kind of almost have to operate slightly independently because the British market and the South African market, even though we're similar time zone, mm. westernised and whatever, they're going to be totally different. You yeah. know, they just are from what they want to eat as their starter to you know what kind of drink they want to have with it. You know, it's 
and you have to approach it with a different mentality. Yeah. You come in there from a centralized organization yeah. where you go, right, this is our target architecture and everyone has to comply. You tell everyone to drive the Mercedes-Benz. Mm. They're going to take the Mercedes-Benz and then augment it and it's more expensive and it fails. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So there's there's that understanding, I suppose, about the, the culture and the environment that you're working within and adopting, mm-hmm. you know, being agile enough to adopt your practices to something that fits the model. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to pick up on the point... Um, that was reminiscent of something else I've been reading about this week, actually. Uh, so they partnered with Microsoft as part of their For Africa initiative. Uh, spread, spread, blah, blah, blah. They partnered with Microsoft as part of the uh, initiative For Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Spreading the internet across Africa, which is you know akin to what Buffalo Grid are doing. But also, do you remember Akon? I'm lonely. Oh, the speaker. Yeah, the singer. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. singer, not speaker. So he's also Maybe doing. I did speak more. <laughs> he's also he quit the music industry to focus on his lighting up Africa project which is installing solar farms and stuff across Africa so this kind of embarking on Africa to to not only improve their internet but improve their energy efficiency and stuff like that it's it's great that this is happening and for what I for one was very not surprised is the wrong word but it's good that Nando's are doing this right in partnership with Microsoft I mean Mm. that is a strong partnership model that's going to hopefully improve the lives of of each individual African country and let's face it sustainable farming in a a, a continent has some real environmental challenges Mm. that's a really good thing and look they're going to get they're going to share their data amongst the communities that they're in not just with their farmers but they're going to improve the livelihood of every farmer down there Mm. so I mean I was even surprised that Nando's were using farms in Africa. I mean, you just fear the worst with companies at size of this that would just use battery farm hens and, and stuff like that. But it seems as though they, they don't, and it's all ethically sourced, and it's just another reason to love Nando's. It's another reason to love Nando's. I, by the way, mm. chili, not chicken. I didn't know. I just always assumed chicken. Well, I was. Uh, so I put chili or chili as in the country or the spice. Because I always thought Nando's was a Portuguese. South African. South African, yeah, yeah. So as as Ali says in the interview, yeah. they're, they're South African, but with that, there's a there's a there's a big Portuguese community in South Africa. Ah, okay, South that makes Philippe. sense. That makes sense. But um, so the, I, I would so, have always assumed that you know how do you, how do you describe Nando's? They're they're a chicken place. Yeah, yeah. They're a chili place. Peri peri, exactly. Oh. Yeah, not peri peri as you said. Did I say that? <laughs> peri peri? That sounds a bit posh. Yeah, I think that's just them trying to you know be individualistic. But yeah, I didn't realise that that was their Oh, yeah, like I said, I thought it was chicken. Okay. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But fascinating. Ali, thank you for coming on the show. Stick with us. After this short interlude, we'll be back with some news. Tech Talks are partnering with Alive and Kicking, a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-Saharan Africa. Using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the Hackney Half Marathon, they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education. We're about to hear from Naomi, a coach in Zambia, who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community. Hello there, this is Coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say about Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they have passed through to my young players in in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we deal with children with disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia, 
Thank you very much, Alive and Kiki. I have to say, I like this um, recording outside, Lark, if we get to eat chilli uh, almonds. They're lovely. Time. Yeah. Very nice Love way to that. record a podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Get used to this. Let's talk about some news. Um, yeah. Who's going first? You can go first. I think I've, I've gone first a lot lately, so yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Up to you. I'm delving into one of my favourites, but also one of your favourites. Oh. It's the next web. Oh. But it's Yessie. Oh, the living legend that is. Yeah. A friend of the show. Sorry, Jesse. I always get that wrong. I've known Jesse for several years now. No, like I say, a friend of the show, but I just kind of just try and silently pronounce the first part of her name and just hammer home the Essie part. So yeah. sorry, Jesse. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, she, we, we love She knows you. us and she knows we're thick, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, men plead guilty uh, in first New York conviction for money laundering involving Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So two S, two S, what? Two S. <laughs> two US men have pleaded guilty to running a steroid and controlled substance business that laundered millions of dollars in cryptocurrency in Western Union payments. Okie doke. So, um, basically representing the first conviction for money laundering involving cryptocurrency by New York State prosecutors, the defendants sold their products, which they made marketed and shipped on a website they controlled called Next Day Gear, um, as well as on the on, on the dark web. Next Day Gear sounds a little mm. bit sus. Yeah. Um, they raked in crypto and cash worth millions on their full-service website that sold prescription-free counterfeit steroids and other controlled substances to customers in all 50 states. Jesus. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to buy subscription-free steroids anyway. But Yeah, it sounds... Ugh. Yeah. Um, online drug sellers who do their business in New York should take note by the operating in plain sight or hidden corners of the dark web. My office has the skills, resources to follow the money, shut down your business, hold you to account. And that's the uh, the district attorney, Cyrus Roberts Vance Jr. Has there ever been a more American name? Um, yeah, but crazy, right? I mean, New York's the, the only place in the world right now with a bit licensed, right? That, we had them on the show... That, that well, moment. no, when we were talking to um, LGO Markets, we were talking about the New York bit licence. I don't know if it's the only one in the world. Right, okay, but it's, okay, so yeah, we know, but this is just like really frustrating that they've got so far ahead with regulation and, and governance with it that now people are taking the piss immediately and laundering money or mugging people off or whatever, right? I don't think this has anything to do with the regulation. I think the regulation right. is probably enabling people to be caught. Uh, right, okay. Oh, so that's a good thing then. Well, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how much the regulation has to do with this necessarily, other than the fact that New York authorities are obviously taking Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies very seriously. Right, which is, which is good, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's issues everywhere here. I don't know why you'd want to buy steroids off the dark web, but then I've never bought anything off the dark web. Excuse me, off the dark web. So or steroids, for that matter. Or st- I mean, look Online. at me. I'm ten stone, five foot seven. There's, you know, I could do with them, <laughs> but I'm not going to go to the bloody dark web to buy them. Probably not counterfeit ones. Um, and isn't that the problem, right? With buying anything via something like Bitcoin, yeah. which there's a complete lack of transparency. If you're bu- if you're buying something on a market that is regulated, at least you know what you're buying. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it scares me tenfold to think that some people did do this. But, you know, everyone's looking for cheaper ways to improve their well-being. I don't blame them necessarily, but I just... The, 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 the one thing I would say, though, immediately people go, oh, cryptocurrency and enabling oh. crime. Oh. Cash is there. Yeah. Cash has always existed. People have always done crime. People, There will always be nefarious actors trying to uh, find loopholes in new technologies. Uh-huh. Crypto... Current, cryptocurrencies could be hmm. a really fantastic innovation if we don't stymie that by being scared about you know, how it's possibly being used. There's, there's all, there is always cash which is untraceable out there that people could be using otherwise. Absolutely, and you know stuff like this is going to happen whilst we're still in like the teething stages, right? Um, hmm. For it to have operated seamlessly without crime would almost make me think, well, is it worth doing? Because hmm. if someone's using it for nefarious activities and criminality, then it must show the worth in the area, right? Yeah. You know, so... But the good thing is this sends a clear message mm. that you can't just take the piss. But Vance, Vaughan, Jr., whatever. Yeehaw. District Attorney, he's going to get you. Well, he's not really Yeehaw, is he? He's New York, so people well, are like... with a name like that, he might be from Yeehaw country. Who knows? Anyway, we're probably <laughs> siding on something that we should probably steer away from. Mm. Let's go, Jack, what you got? I've got a nice, punchy one here now. I'm just going to read the quotes because it's from my mate Elon Musk, who, by the way, I saw a clip of today uh, before I get the article, and it's uh, with an American journalist. I don't know how old it was, but he talks about how um, La- uh, Neil Armstrong opposes SpaceX and you know the general public going to space. And Elon Neil Ma- Armstrong opposes the general. Oh, the general public going to space. Like Why? Exactly, and because it's it, dangerous. I don't really know. Maybe he just wants to remain the elitist part of the group or whatever. But anyway, so he he opposes it, and Elon Musk is literally in tears at the news of this. He finds it harrowingly disappointing. And he's quite sweet about it as well. Point being is it was just nice to see this emotional side of Elon Musk when, you know, more and more often we see him as the flamethrower lunatic that's dating Grimes, who I love, by the way, Grimes rules. Anyway, so Elon Musk... Any other car other than a Tesla in three years' time will be like owning a horse. Now, this is the article from CNBC. Very different news article source there. Um, And he goes on to say, it's financially insane to buy anything other than a Tesla. It would be like owning a horse in three years. I mean, fine if that's what, if you want to own a horse, but you should go into it with that expectation. If you buy a car that does not have the hardware for full self-driving, it's like buying a horse. He loves referring things to horses, right? So back in September 2018, you remember that he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, right? The Joe mm. Rogan Experience, which everyone will agree is slightly bizarre. Everyone will agree that was... Even Joe Rogan has since said, Elon Musk didn't feel as though he was in the right frame of mind at the time or was whatever. He on, was he smoking weed? He had a toke of a spliff, like, yeah. get over it. But yeah, okay. not you get over it, but the, you know, shareholders that bollocks him. <laughs> he was He's the, obviously not going to be in the right frame of mind necessarily. Yeah, I mean, you don't know. He might smoke weed every day, so his tolerances might be low. <laughs> but anyway, so he said on uh, on, on Joe Rogan Experience, um, uh, he said that having Teslas and regular cars on the road speaks to a, quote, time of transition where there were horses and gasoline cars in the road at the same time. So he loves a horse analogy. And he also... And he fancies himself as Henry Ford. He fancies himself as Henry Ford. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what do you think about that? We, this is two people that don't own cars, two people that don't even know how to drive cars, you and I. Well, it's got a point, but it's also marketing spin, isn't it? I mean, there will be other there will be other actors in the market that will have the hardware to enable you to, to have self-driving yeah. uh, vehicles. So it won't be like you have to have a Tesla. I suppose he's trying to make Tesla the byword for 
like Hoover is yeah. for vacuum cleaners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Tannoy is for speakers. They're not cars, they're Teslas. Mm. Mm. They're not vacuum cleaners, they're Hoovers, they're mm. Dysons, whatever mm. else. Mm. They take on a, a thing of their own. No, totally. I, I, I like the ambition. Three years for me, especially when I saw a clip of a Tesla car blowing up the other day. I don't know if it was a fake video or not. Someone commented underneath to say it was an might be, might be deep fake could be deep fake I mean it was shot off a CCTV camera Ooh. one would assume it's been ta- uh, tampered with right but <clears throat> I mean I'm not rich enough to buy a Tesla car I know they're going to bring out a 30 grand model in the next few years but for me that is the dream car and this is someone who I can't stand talking about cars or I have no interest in them all I see them as at the moment are things that are ruining the environment Tesla isn't going to do that so I'm on board but like, horses think, won't ruin the environment either. <laughs> no, I think my dream car, by the way, is like a DB5 or something. Yeah, well, yeah. a James Bond over there. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, fair enough. What about an electric Aston Martin? What about a DeLorean? What would you go back and change? Or go forward and change? Butterfly effect. I wouldn't go forward and change anything, because I suppose i go I go Good. forward and i get that sports almanac. Sports almanac? Yeah. Back to the Future Part 2. Goes right. forward, gets the sports neck, goes back, places a whole load of bets, becomes very rich. Yeah, I mean, that is a smart thing to do. It's the obvious thing to do. Well, just go back, get the Euro Millions numbers, pop back in time, ding dong. Yeah, but what happens if someone else actually randomly guesses it and therefore you've got to split the jackpot? <sighs> then do it again the next week. <laughs> Power up the DeLorean every week to make sure you win the lottery every week. That would be really good at screwing with people's heads, wouldn't it? Because mm. if you were the only one that knew how to jump forward in the future... There's no scientific explanation for someone guessing the Euro millions right nope. five weeks in a row. People would be like, what the fuck is going on? You'd have a lot of fun you could. screwing with the collective minds of humanity. <laughs> How does this person keep guessing the Euro millions? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, if time travel can happen. It's already happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that quote. That's anyway, it. I think we'll leave it there. We've started talking about DeLoreans and Back to the Future. As usual. <laughs> um, by the time this goes out, I'll be on stage at um, uh, AI Expo, Olympia. So if you hang around your the own. area... <laughs> yeah, all on my own. Oh, no, there'll be other people there, just not... Not, not me or Ryder. <laughs> yeah. um, deserted me. <laughs> if, by some chance, you happen to be listening to Tech Talks in Olympia, mm. come say hi. Pop in. Yeah, why not? Get some eggs and get ready to hold them at Dave when he's on stage. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Talk to you soon. <laughs>